Elder Kevin W. Pearson was sustained as a General Authority 70 of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints on April 5, 2008. And to give him as much time as possible, I'm not going to read any more. You can always look on the, online to see it. But with that, we'll just turn the time over immediately to Elder Pearson. Well, brothers and sisters, I'm very happy to be here with you. Have I got a teleprompter here? Okay. Well, it's already frozen. It's not working. Yeah, it's not working already. It's showing up green, but it's not. Oh, there we go. Now if you can take it back to the first. Okay. All right, very good. We'll go we'll go with what we've got here. Brothers and sisters, I want to begin by expressing appreciation to those who promote faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and in his restored church by promoting faithful answers to critical questions, including Fair Mormon. Independent voices are needed in reaching out to those among us who are struggling to find and sustain faith, and in responding to those who unfairly criticize, misrepresent, distort, and demean the church, its history, doctrine, and leadership. More needs to be done to increase awareness of, access to, and confidence in these independent, trusted resources by Latter-day Saints and Seekers of Truth. And I hasten to add, by leaders of the church helping members of the church, by parents helping children, and by friends helping friends. These are valued, trusted resources, and they need more support. They need more financial support, among other things. Now. Perspective is a way of looking at things. Perspective has a Latin root meaning, look through or perceive. This morning, I want to give you a perspective about one of the greatest challenges of all time and our sacred and imperative duty to it. It is the challenge of taking the gospel of Jesus Christ to all the world. The gathering of scattered Israel is the greatest and most powerful force for good on the earth today. And in the end, it will succeed miraculously and powerfully. We know the destination, however, the detailed roadmap is still being revealed. We believe that God will yet reveal many great and important things pertaining to the kingdom of God. President Russell M. Nelson taught that our Savior and Redeemer, Jesus Christ, will perform some of them, his mightiest works between now and when he comes again. We will see great and miraculous indications that God the Father and his Son, Jesus Christ, preside over this church in majesty and glory. This is their work, but we have a sacred duty to do our part. There has never been a better time to be alive or to be a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. 
Notwithstanding, we also live in a time of great turmoil and confusion. Many are struggling to find purpose and peace. The world is suffering from moral and spiritual decay. There are so many conflicting and contentious voices and influences competing for our attention. We all have an important part and role to play in helping others find peace amid this confusion. During the extremely dark and difficult early days of the church, Joseph Smith penned these words from Liberty Jail. It is an imperative duty that we owe to all the rising generation and to all the pure in heart. For there are many yet on the earth among all sects, parties, and denominations who are blinded by the subtle craftiness of men, whereby they lie in wait to deceive, and who are only kept from the truth because they know not where to find it. This sacred and imperative duty is personal as well as institutional. The word imperative suggests required, necessary, and unavoidable. So what lies at the heart of this sacred and imperative duty that we each have? Our understanding of the atonement of Jesus, as our understanding of the atonement of Jesus Christ grows, our desire to share the gospel with others naturally increases. And we feel as Lehi did when he expressed how great the importance to make these things known unto the inhabitants of the earth. Those who have made sacred covenants have a sacred duty to bear one another's burdens that they may be light, to mourn with those that mourn, comfort those that need comfort, and to stand as witnesses of God in all times, places, and things. Our duty, our duty, is anchored in the first two great commandments, to love God and to love others as ourselves. So what is that message that is so important and sacred, imperative to share? Again, President Nelson recently stated, our message to the world is simple and sincere. We invite all of God's children on both sides of the veil to come unto their Savior, receive the blessings of the Holy Temple, have enduring joy, and qualify for eternal life. It is the most important message in all of the world. Communicating this vital message to the world is a massive challenge with at least two key obstacles. The first obstacle is being unknown. The second is being misunderstood. In other words, awareness and understanding are the key obstacles to us meeting our sacred and imperative duty. The scale and magnitude of this challenge is beyond anything that corp the corporate world has ever attempted or encountered. When the Savior first commissioned his apostles to go ye therefore and teach all nations, there were only an estimated one million inhabitants on the earth. By 1830, the church was restored and the population of the world had increased to nearly one billion. In less than 200 years since that time, the number of inhabitants on the earth has soared to nearly 7.6 billion people inhabiting the earth. Do you think, do you think it's a coincidence that our merciful Heavenly Father waited until after the restoration 
to begin bringing most of his children to the earth, there has never been a better time to live. However, the best estimates suggest that as many as 6.6 billion people may have never even heard of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. They are completely unaware of its existence. Effectively communicating the message of the restored gospel may therefore seem like a nearly overwhelming task. Of the remaining one billion people who likely have heard of the church, approximately half have an unfavorable to very unfavorable impression of us. 70% of the inhabitants of the earth are not even accessible to missionaries, although over 50% have access to the internet. And over two-thirds have a mobile phone or internet-enabled or powered device. The average internet user is spending an average of six hours per day using internet-powered and uh, devices and services. Clearly, technology will be a key factor in overcoming the challenge of awareness. And by the way, this is going to take a lot of resource to make this great message known to the inhabitants of the earth. While we await for more revelation on how exactly the Lord plans to make his great and marvelous work known to all the inhabitants of the earth, we must ensure that the honest in heart can efficiently find and embrace the restored gospel online. Surely this deserves our very best collective efforts. Now, brothers and sisters, too many people are waiting for the church to get this done. One of my core messages today is, do not wait for the church. Independent organizations like Fair Mormon and many others who are outstanding, as well as individuals, need to engage in the conversation. We must do better. Um, However, if misunderstanding grows faster than awareness, we're going to have a problem. 6.6 billion who don't know and half of 1 billion who do who are troubled with misunderstanding. So you've got to stem the misunderstanding if you're going to enable the awareness. While that may be difficult, we must do better in addressing the second obstacle of understanding. And that's where I'd like to focus my comments. This deserves our very best collective efforts. We've got a lot of work. Let me illustrate with an example. Pretend you are a man named John, a 23-year-old socially conscious recent graduate beginning your career on the East Coast of the United States. As you move on to the next stage of life, you begin thinking about spirituality and your values. The missionaries contact you, and you agree to meet with them. You have an engaging and enlightening discussion with them in your apartment, and you agree to meet again soon. You subsequently mention to a good friend, this to a good friend who, who warns you, that Mormons are racist. Curious and intrigued, you obviously Google it. As you review the results of your search, you see that there must be some truth to this based on the nature of the results. Things like the new face of Mormon racism, for example. 
the history of racism and white supremacy in the Mormon church. Racism in the Mormon church would be some of the initial entries that your search would find, just to name a few. These results all look interesting, but you're really not all that interested in reading a bunch of articles. Key point. You'd rather watch a video. So you click on the Huffington Post. This is your first exposure. And by the way, let me hasten to say that YouTube is the second largest search engine and the predominant search engine for those below 40 years of age. Video is where content is happening. This is your first exposure to the, to the, fact, to this fa the fact that for a time the priesthood was not conferred upon black men. A list of other suggested videos on the topic appear to be somewhat consistent with this point of view. But wanting to give the missionaries the benefit of the doubt, which I hasten to add, rarely ever happens. <laughs> you take the pass-along card that they left and type in mormon.org. The results on mormon.org show a complete blank on the issue. And you begin to wonder why you found so much on the Google and YouTube search. Still curious? Which is also minority. You use the Ask a Friend option on Facebook, where you quickly get lost in a sea of blogs. Now, even if you were amazingly persistent and somehow able to find LDS.org, you may only find a very recent blog post on healing the wounds of racism. But you would not find the Gospel Topics essay written on this topic or any church newsroom articles. Good content does in fact exist, but it can be very difficult to find and often does not address key questions in consistent and engaging ways. Now, we have failed miserably, John, in this scenario. But missionaries confront scenarios like this every single day in every language of the world. They meet people, they have engaging conversations, those same people turn to the internet and the conversation is over. The missionaries never know what happened, they just know that what seemed like an interested individual is now completely disinterested in any further contact or conversation of any kind. Now you think about that. For those of you who have missionaries, sons or daughters or granddaughters or grandsons or family members, you think about the treasury of the church and individual families who are sending these young men and young women into the world only to find that people immediately have either turned to these sources and found negative information or immediately do so after meeting with the missionaries. Something has got to be done. Now, not all topics are this problematic. And in fact, this scenario may look much different today with the recent B1 celebration that took place on June 1st of this year. But we need to create and promote content that effectively communicates what we believe and why in clear and effective, authentic, engaging ways, especially on some of the most prevalent search topics. Too often our content uses words and expressions completely unfamiliar to those outside of the church. We don't need a deep doctrinal dive to address these basic questions. We need clear, 
genuine, direct responses. Now, here's an example of someone who is willing to speak up and address some basic but important questions and issues about our beliefs. Her content is straightforward, it is clear and authentic. She simply uses her voice and speaks from her heart. This is something that anyone can do. You don't need an assignment from church headquarters to do this. You don't need to be, have a calling in your war or a stake. You can simply stand up, be bold, have courage, and address basic issues. The internet has become the most powerful and dominant source for information on virtually any and every topic or question. Two weeks ago, needing to change the windshield wipers on my old Suburban before we took a trip. I pull out instructions and think, I don't want to read this stuff. So I googled it. And in two minutes, I got clear instructions and illustrations on how to change these particular kinds of windshield wipers. Now, windshield wipers are not issues of faith. But the point here is, that is the pattern for seeking and finding information. Not only has the internet become the most powerful and dominant source of information on every topic, the, in, the inherent problem with this reality is that much accuracy comes from limited experience, understanding, or viewpoint. And even due to intentional desire, and, and, even, and even due to unintentional desire to mislead or misrepresent. The internet can either lead individuals to the truth or away from it. This is where independent organizations like Fair Mormon and individuals can make a significant contribution. Church-produced content might appear more polished and professional, but yours will be viewed as more authentic and real. Because what you say comes from your personal experience and unique perspective, it enlivens content produced by the church. Again, don't wait for the church to take the lead on every single question or issue. Research indicates that most misunderstanding about the church can be tied to a relatively few key topics like church history, temples, garments, Joseph Smith, polygamy, prophets, racism, which we've just discussed, women, LGBT, and transparency. As you might imagine, each of these core topics has a myriad of related subtopics. And as you might expect, racism, the focus of our scenario with John, is one. Information both positive and negative about these topics are accessed through search engines and on YouTube. These platforms are the primary sources of information in our time. We've got to do something about this, brothers and sisters. We simply need more effective, engaging, and faithful content in more languages and cultures that can be easily found on these three platforms. Content that clearly communicates what we believe and why it is important in a positive and personal way. The church cannot possibly produce all of the content needed. We need your help and your voices, are you starting to see the magnitude of this challenge? 
Perceptions of the church will continue to be driven, at least in part, by personal experiences and perspectives shared and discussed on social media. This is how information is discovered and evaluated in our time. To counteract and overcome misunderstanding, the church, its members, and other independent organizations, again, like Fair Mormon, these faithful voices must be proactive and effectively engaged on all media platforms. This is part of our sacred and imperative duty to the rising generation and to the pure in heart. Now, I hasten to add that addressing these topics more effectively with more content will not, in and of itself, build faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Developing faith is an individual spiritual process. However, access to understandable answers to critical questions and concerns can help correct misunderstandings about the church and remove stumbling blocks to faith. It can also level the playing field for the sincere truth seeker to find and recognize the truth in a world increasingly hostile to faith. Much of the content needed for websites and YouTube must come from independent organizations like Fair Mormon and individual members of the church throughout the world in every language and culture. This is an institution, this is an international problem and your voices must be heard on social media wherever you live. Years ago, Elder Neil A. Maxwell is quoted as having made this statement. There should be no more uncontested slam dunks close quote, against the church and its doctrines. However, we need not commit flagrant personal fouls in the process. <laughs> Adding to contention is not the answer. Yet, we can be bold, resilient, compassionate, and thoughtful with our voices. Personal experience is always more authentic and persuasive and personal testimony will always be more powerful if it is offered in love. So, how can we help? How can we help those who have heard the Savior of the Savior's church and are struggling to develop or sustain faith in a world increasingly hostile and opposed to religious beliefs? Father Lehi emphasized there, must, there necessarily must be an opposition in all things. It is a necessary part of the divine design. But three of Satan's most effective tools are distraction, deception, and spiritual desensitization. Each of these play a key role in addressing the challenge of building awareness and understanding and overcoming misunderstanding. Four key principles, I believe, can help us know where to begin. Number one. Heavenly Father's plan for our ultimate happiness is intended for all of his children, not just a select few. It is available to each one individually. This is not a numbers game. It is about reaching and redeeming individuals one by one. Second, the family of proclamation to the world declares that in the pre-mortal realm, spirit sons and daughters knew and worshipped God as their eternal father and accepted his plan. 
That means that every inhabitant of the earth knows that the gospel of Jesus Christ is true. They just can't remember. Remember, you couldn't get to earth and get a body without accepting Heavenly Father's plan and being valiant about it in the premortal existence. Mortal amnesia is a necessary part of the divine design. Only the power of the Holy Ghost can help each one of us remember what we have always known to be true. This takes place one by one. Third, the prophet Nephi taught, For the Lord God giveth light unto the understanding, for he speaketh unto men according to their language, unto their understanding. Understanding comes from the light or influence of the Holy Ghost that Heavenly Father sends. The language spoken of here is spiritual. Our native language is a spiritual language. That is the language we all learned as spirit sons and daughters of God. By the power of the Holy Ghost, we come to know again the truth of all things. Without this spiritual power, information is not the same. Excuse me. <coughs> Without this spiritual power, misunderstanding will prevail because there is an opposition in all things. Access to information is not the same as acquisition of knowledge. And having greater access to information does not equate to greater understanding, knowledge, and understanding of eternal truths come from God through the Holy Ghost and they come in no other way. So the root cause of misunderstanding is incomplete or inadequate knowledge of the truth and an inability or unwillingness to receive it through the spirit of truth. To the priests of wicked King Noah, the prophet Abinadi charged, you have not applied your heart to understanding. Understanding often requires more diligence, patience, humility, and trust than many are willing to commit. That leaves each of us vulnerable to doubt and disbelief and to the subtle craftiness of men who lie in wait to deceive. Deception, again, is one of Satan's most powerful tools. He and those influenced by him have been effective at distorting truth, sowing doubt, ridiculing faith and turning people away from Heavenly Father and His Son, Jesus Christ, from the very beginning of time. His track record of deceiving even the very elect is well documented in every dispensation of time, and our days will be no different. Each of us has loved ones who are struggling with issues and concerns and some who have completely lost their faith. A spouse, a child, a family member, a dear friend, how can we help them? How can we prevent this from happening to those we love, including our own selves? Over the past 10 years as a general authority, my assignments have brought me into contact with those who are struggling. I have also met with those who have left the church. I have even met with those who now actively seek to destroy the faith of others, drawing them away from the church. It is both curious and tragic to observe that when some lose their faith in the Book of Mormon, Joseph Smith and church leaders, they don't just leave the church. 
they also lose their faith in the Savior Jesus Christ and turn away from him. In virtually every instance, the process of falling away began with an issue, a concern of some kind or another about a church policy, practice, leader, or historical question. None of us is immune, is immune from this. I am reminded of a quote from George MacDonald, often attributed to C.S. Lewis. For nothing is so deadening, he said, to the divine as, habitual, as a habitual dealing with the outside of holy things. This seems to aptly describe so many detractors of the church and the issues they choose to focus on. Now, from my own personal experience, years ago I found myself starting to do the very same thing. As a younger man, I began to focus on two or three concerns. Questions about things like the practice of polygamy, certain historical issues, and several abstract doctrinal questions began to concern me. The more time I spent focusing on those issues and concerns, the more the list of issues seemed to grow. I began to think about where this path might lead me. One day, a powerful thought came to my mind, quite forcefully. Don't let something you don't currently understand unravel everything else you do know. In that moment, I realized I had a very important decision to make. I knew that I had received personal revelation through the Holy Ghost on the questions that matter most. And I was determined to remain true and faithful to that knowledge. Come what may. That has made all the difference in my life. But still, I had the same questions and concerns and I decided I needed a place to put them. I have a black box, a virtual, a theoretical black box, into which I put issues, concerns, and questions I cannot resolve presently. Every now and then I open the box and think about its contents. Over time I have had more life experience and studied, pondered, and prayed more about the doctrines and principles contained in the restored gospel and listened and learned from apostles and prophets, from those who know. I have come to know and experience more about personal revelation and the gift of the Holy Ghost and come to know Heavenly Father more personally and intimately. Now today I still have a black box. Most all of the original contents have been resolved. Some I just simply see differently now. Others just don't seem to matter that much anymore. But still, others are still there. But I don't. They don't prevent me. I won't let them prevent me from moving forward in faith. Now, I want to be clear on this point. As Elder Ballard stated in a 2016 address to CES educators, gone are the days when a student asked an honest question and a teacher responded, 
don't worry about it. I'm not talking about that. Suppressing or deflecting honest questions, issues, and concerns is not helpful. In fact, it is damaging and erodes faith. One of my primary messages this morning is that there are thoughtful, faithful answers to virtually every question, issue, and concern being raised by critics and skeptics of the church or simply those who are struggling and listening to them. Fair Mormon is an excellent resource. And there are others as well. I might hasten to add, however, that one of the obvious problems is that the usage of the word apologetic. You know what that means, but others do not. And when it's associated with fair Mormon, they assume immediately that you're on the wrong side of the line. That's a problem. More needs to be done to ensure better access or excuse me, awareness of and access to these resources so that those who are seeking answers to questions don't have to rely on getting them from those without faith and avoid unnecessarily filling their own little black boxes. These answers need to be available where people are searching. People are searching online. They are searching on the internet and social media. Still, some questions require patient faith and further revelation. This is precisely why President Nelson has urged each of us to stretch beyond our current spiritual ability to receive personal revelation. I have learned the importance of always looking through the lens of faith, however, when dealing with a difficult situation. I've learned the importance of staying focused on the primary questions and avoiding the distraction of lesser issues and concerns. I am still learning about the importance of keeping my sacred covenants. Following the Savior and trusting in Him and in Heavenly Father. I have embraced the Lord's promise given to Thomas B. Marsh in the Doctrine and Covenants. Be thou humble. And the Lord thy God shall lead thee by the hand and give thee answers to thy prayers. And so he has. And he continues to do so. Now, several months ago, probably well over a year ago now, one of our former missionaries called and asked for an appointment to come and visit me in my office. He said he was struggling and needed my help. I readily offered my love and my assistance. When he arrived, I greeted him warmly and invited him into my office. How can I help, I asked. President, I'm really struggling, he said. I don't even know where to start. My life is a mess and I feel like I have lost my faith altogether. I need your help. I need a blessing. Of course, I replied. May I ask you a few questions first? He nodded. Did you have a personal prayer this morning before you left, Elder? No, he replied. Okay, how about last night? Surely you've had a recent prayer in anticipation of our meeting. Actually, President, it's been a little while since I last prayed. Okay, can you share with me something that you recently read from the Book of Mormon? Well, 
Actually, it's been a while since I read the Book of Mormon. Okay. How was church last week? Are you attending church? No, it's been a little while since I attended. You're starting to get a pattern here, right? Okay, do you know the name of your bishop? No, he replied, I, I'm not exactly sure which ward I'm in. Can I safely assume that you also have not been to the temple for a while too? Yes, it's, it's been quite a while, President. I don't really have a temple recommend. So let me see if I understand, I replied. You stopped praying, reading the Book of Mormon, and attending church. You're not worthy to go to the temple, and you have some things you need to resolve with the bishop. Is that right? I know some of you are thinking I'm, I'm being a little rough on him. Yes, sir. I guess that's about it. Elder, you spent two years of your life teaching people to pray, read the Book of Mormon, attend church, and keep the commandments. You promised them blessings as they did so. Do you remember any of that? Do you believe what you told them? You have stopped doing all of those things and yet you wonder why you are struggling? Now I am being tough on him here. I requested that he agree to do four things over the next two weeks, at which time we would meet again and begin to address some of the other problems of which there were many that he was facing. Number one, have a meaningful personal prayer each morning and night to discuss his feelings and circumstances and to ask for and seek help there. Number two, read something, anything, from the Book of Mormon each day for at least 15 minutes without fail. Three, contact the bishop and meet with him. Four, begin attending church. I gave him a blessing and told him again how much I loved him. We agreed to meet again in two weeks. Then the day before our next meeting, I called and asked if I could move the time of our appointment due to a scheduling conflict. His response surprised me. President, since our last meeting, I have done everything you asked me to do. I have had some tender personal prayers each day. I am diligently reading the Book of Mormon each day and really enjoying it. I attended church and met with the bishop. We had a good meeting. He's a really good guy. We agreed on a plan to get back to the temple, and I feel good for the first time in a long time. I still have some challenges, but I can feel my faith returning and strengthening each day. I don't think we need to meet after all. I'm good. Really good. Now, I am not suggesting that every question, problem, and concern disappears in two weeks. Or that we can just, uh, all that all we need to do is pray, read the Book of Mormon, and attend church to resolve all challenges and concerns. I'm not saying that. But what I am saying 
is that there is a great spiritual power in those simple daily habits. That God blesses those who diligently seek to keep his commandments. There is no one beyond the reach of the Savior's atonement. There are answers. There is hope. There is healing. And there is help. The Savior has prepared a way for all to be able to accomplish what he has commanded us to do, irrespective of our present circumstances. Each person has a unique journey of faith. But there are eternal principles and spiritual power given to assist those who ask and seek the way Heavenly Father has asked us to do. There is a way prepared for all of us. So, what is our sacred and imperative duty to the rising generation and to the pure at heart? Number one, first is to be true to the knowledge and testimony we have received and to the sacred covenants that we have made. We cannot be a light, a guide, or a help to others unless we ourselves are strong and determined to remain so. We cannot illuminate the path if we are not standing on it. Two, we must be an example of true discipleship, of Christ-like service and love, reaching out with compassion and concern to others wherever they may be on their own journey of faith. Three, we must be students of the scriptures, quick to observe the teachings of the living prophets, able and ready to answer honest questions with faith and clear knowledge. There are answers to these questions and concerns. We need more Latter-day Saints who know and understand the truth and can help others find answers for themselves. Four, we can support trusted organizations like Fair Mormon. And by support, I'm talking about not just being here. I am also talking, I'm not here fundraising, but I am suggesting that given the, the enormity of the challenge, good people of faith are going to have to think about what they want to use their resources to put against. And Fair Mormon, as well as other organizations, cannot possibly engage at the level they're capable of uh, without more financial resources. In order to respond to faithful answers for critical questions in an independent way. Now we've got this problem. Let me just stop and say this. Members of the church are waiting for the official voice of the church, and that's important. The first presidency in the Quorum of the Twelve will provide the official authoritative voice, revelatory voice, voice on issues of our time. But at the same time, you need independent voices. The official voice can't support completely the independent voice, or it's not an independent voice anymore. And so, how do you help the members of the church understand that these two things can sit side by side? It's not critical that every single answer that comes from Fair Mormon is precisely the way it would appear on the, on the official channel of the church. That's not necessary. And the senior brethren of the church are not worried about that. It's far more important that there are independent voices that are consistent with, in alignment with, the official voice of the church. 
Next, we must be a voice for truth. We must have the faith and courage to speak up and engage in social media in a positive, responsible, non-contentious, and effective way. We can simply share what we know and what we believe and have experienced with others. You can make a difference. Your individual voice matters. Now, in the final analysis, faith is an individual choice. That's part of the divine plan. Because the atonement of Jesus Christ, all of God's children are free to choose for themselves. Faith is a gift from God bestowed as a reward for personal righteousness. The greater the measure of faith, the greater a measure of obedience to God's laws, the greater will be the endowment of faith. It's a quote from Elder Bruce R. McConkie. So our main task is to declare the gospel to all the world and do it effectively. We are not obligated to answer every single objection. Every man or woman must eventually be backed up to the wall of faith and there he or she must make his or her stand. Ultimately, it all boils down to this. Is the Book of Mormon true? For if the Book of Mormon is true, then Jesus is the Christ. Joseph Smith was his prophet. The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints is true. And it is being led by a prophet and apostles receiving revelation. This is the crucial knowledge that anchors our faith in Heavenly Father and in His Son, Jesus Christ. And secures our determination to press forward keeping their commandments and the sacred covenants we have made. Every other objection, issue, and concern is secondary in importance and can be overcome or resolved through patient and persistent effort in due time if we remain faithful. Now, I enclose with these words of encouragement from our dear prophet, President Nelson, whom I love. From his recent April conference address entitled, Revelation for the church, revelation in our lives. You don't have to wonder what is true, he said. You do not have to wonder whom you can safely trust. Through personal revelation, you can receive your own witness that the Book of Mormon is the word of God, that Joseph Smith is a prophet, and that this is the Lord's church. Regardless of what others may say or do, no one can ever take away a witness born to your heart and mind about what is true. I promise that as you continue to be obedient, expressing gratitude for every blessing that the Lord gives you, and as you patiently honor the Lord's timetable, you will be given the knowledge and understanding you seek. We live in a world that is complex and increasingly contentious. If we are to have any hope, of sifting through the myriad of voices and the philosophies of men that attack truth. We must learn to receive revelation. In the coming days, it will not be possible to survive spiritually without the guiding, directing, comforting, and constant influence of the Holy Ghost. I plead with you to increase your spiritual capacity to receive revelation. Close quote. Brothers and sisters, I pray that each of us will be true and faithful in following the living Son of the living God. 
and that each of us will be patient, compassionate, and supportive of others who are making their way along their own journey of faith. And I pray that we will look forward with hope and confidence and assurance that indeed the gospel will fill the earth and the living son of the living God will return as he promised to do so and every word that he has caused to be spoken by the mouth of his holy prophets will be fulfilled. Of this, I bear my own personal testimony in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you. So just so we, you're aware, we did pre-screen the questions just to, for the sake of everyone's time. We kept the questions related to what he spoke on and uh, any duplicate questions we took out, but everything else we gave to him. And we'll, we'll give him copies of all your questions. Wow. Last thing I want to do is st stand between you and lunch. Okay, that's a bad thing. Uh, let, me, let me see if I can knock out a, quick, a couple of these quickly. What are some of the other organizations that are trusted? Now, don't... Don't go crazy on this word trusted. Okay? It's important that these organizations are independent. But there are other organizations such as Book of Mormon Central. Okay? Uh, the Interpreter. Uh, More Good. Who am I forgetting? Uh, there are a number of them. And by the way, they are filled with individuals like Scott who have spent their own time and their own resources to make this happen. And they need and deserve more help from us. Another question. Uh, can stakes or self-reliance, you know, do we have a green light to, uh, to use these essays and these tips, to, to use these resources? Yes! You know what's heartbreaking is when you hear about stake presence, you say, well, you know, I, don't, I really don't know if I can use these resources. What? Yes, you can use them. Yes, you should use them. We need to get more resources in the hands of our youth and our missionaries and others because there are faithful answers to critical questions. Thank you. Uh, is the basis of your message born out of your own personal concerns on this issue or are you sharing the message by assignment? I'm here by assignment. I was invited to come. That invitation went to the assignment committee and the president of the Quorum of the Twelve assigned me to come and speak at this conference. So I'm not... I'm a representative of the church, okay? I hope the brethren agree with everything I've said today. <laughs> what resources do you recommend most often when you ask difficult questions? I don't know how to answer that. It depends on the question and on the, on the situation. But there, there are a lot of them out there. Um, how do you talk to a son who has left the church and has banned all discussion about discussion of religion in his home? Short story. Good friend of mine, serving in a state presidency with the son of President Hinckley. Member in the stake, having terrible, terrible problem with their daughter in this case. She was... And it had become so disruptive to the family, they did not know what to do. They went to the bishop. The bishop didn't know what to do. They exhausted every other resource. And finally, he went to the stake president and said, 
You are the state president. You have to help us. Will you come to our house? So the three of them came to the house, and just before they got there, the daughter just absolutely imploded. So when they opened the door, everybody was an emotional wreck. They sat down. The mother turned to the state president and said, you've got to help. What should we do? Now, you might have thought that President Hinckley would have said, well, my father is the president of the church. Here's what he would say. That's not what he said. He said, I don't know what you should do. But I'll tell you what my mother would say. <laughs> Whatever you do, do not lose that relationship with your daughter, or in this case, your son. Whatever else, you lose that relationship and that basis of trust and love, and you have nothing to go forward with. So if you have to put aside all of the conversation, you put it aside, but don't lose that relationship with that child. Uh. I'm sure Sister Hinckley would appreciate your applause on that. Uh, there, is no place for faithful, uh, uh, there is no place for faithful LDS to discuss their doubts or their suggestions for improvement, so people turn to the internet and social media. What can, LDS, what can the LDS Church do to create a safe place to discuss difficult issues? Is this what councils are supposed to do? Um, well, this goes on. It's a, very, it's a long question. Look, we are working to make more of these resources available. That's, that's one of my present responsibilities of the church. We, the church knows it needs to do more. We need to spend more resources. We need to address these platforms in a much more proactive and engaging way. So I'm not putting all the responsibility on you, but I am saying, while we do that, will you help? Okay. In the meantime, we do want people to have places to go and, and just be, I have a question. I have a concern. I need help and be able to get resources and discuss it. But if you're listening to the uh, First Presidency and the Twelve, they are encouraging conversation, open conversation about these issues. As a, as a local church leader, um, I often deal with adults and youth who have questions about history and doctrine. Is it okay for me to refer them to Book of Mormon? Please do it. Yes. 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 But you need to know what's on it first if you're going to refer them to it. So leaders of the church need to go to these resources and become facile with them so that they can be effective in pointing others toward them. There are, or should I just stick to only official LDS resources? You've got to use both. You've got to use both. There is great stuff out there that's not official correlated material. And it's necessary, and we want more of it. Why can't the, uh, the full-time missionaries get the Fair Mormon website? I don't know. It's a good question. Uh, it's a I don't, but I'm not being flippant. It's a complicated question. But yes, we do need to get more resources like this. I, I think that's enough. I've taken enough time. Thank you. You've been kind. It's nice to be with you. Thank you so much.